0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
1: What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me again, as always, it's Kyle Madsen, the content czar of NinersWire.com of the USA Today sports media group. Uh, yeah. If, yep. If it sounds a little different, um, I'm not recording this in my usual spot. Uh, I'm recording it instead of my bedroom. I'm in the dining area because I don't have central air conditioning, and it's 100 degrees outside. Um, So if you hear some whirring, it's probably my air conditioner or a ceiling fan that's close by. But um, Kyle, how, how warm is it in Sacramento right now? Because it is scorching in San Jose.
2: I think the high today was supposed to be 104. I know when I left the radio station at nine o'clock, it was 80 degrees. It says 96 right now. It's supposed to touch 100 today, for the first time this summer. I'm lucky enough to live in a small condo, where the AC really pumps upstairs. So that's where I'm at. I'm in my office, and I'm I've got a, I've got a good temperature level right now.
1: Yeah, I do not. Um, even with the air conditioning, it's it's still 80 degrees, which is fine. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm battling through it. I'm not quite sweating. I might be in a couple hours, but, uh, it's minicamp week. The 49ers are holding their mandatory minicamp this week. they are going to be two practices open to reporters. We're recording this on Monday. So the practices will be open on Tuesday and Wednesday. Typically what the 49ers have done over these past two years with Kyle Shanahan as coach is, uh, hold off on having a third practice and instead having sort of a, a friends and family day, like a cookout barbecue um, type thing for, for all the players and their families. There have been bounce houses and different activities and things like that. Kind of a, a team bonding experience before the month and a half break ahead of training camp. So uh, we're going to preview minicamp and, and talk about some things that, that we're going to be looking for in the practice field. But first, there's been some news since we recorded last week. Uh, Joe Staley at the State of the Franchise event announced that he signed or received a two-year contract extension from the 49ers, uh, which puts him with the team uh, through 2021. There's $27.6 million in new money. I believe that was reported by ESPN, giving him uh, giving Staley $36.15 million over the next three seasons. There was a little bit of question. There, there were some question about how long Staley would remain with the team and, and whether or not 2019 would be his last season because he has intimated in the past that he cons- that he considered retirement, uh, particularly after 2016 when the Niners went 2-14 and under Ch- Chip Kelly, and there wasn't a whole lot of optimism surrounding the 49ers. Staley obviously has been very optimistic uh, about the, the new regime with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and I think the addition of Mike McGlinchey has helped out a lot. Staley's also a big Jimmy Garoppolo believer, and overall, just the mood in the locker room, um, team camaraderie, things like that, all things we've talked about on this pod throughout, Staley's a big part of, and so Staley has really enjoyed these last couple seasons, even though the Niners haven't made the playoffs since 2013, and he's going to stick around uh, at least for another two years. He's under contract for three more years. Um, I'm, I'm not... You know, I don't know that we can say with one hundred percent certainty that he's going to play out the entirety of the contract because there are injuries and things that can happen. Um, him playing, you know, fifteen seasons and being there when he turns thirty seven would be a, a pretty significant achievement for him. Um, yeah. But, Kyle, what, what were your thoughts when when you heard this uh, this contract extension news come down?
2: It was definitely exciting to know that Staley was going to be around because I think that was kind of a looming big deal for the 49ers was how are they going to replace Joe Staley? Was it move McGlinchey to the left side and then draft another tackle high in the draft? They'll still have to eventually do that over the next couple of years, but they can kick that can down the road a little bit, especially with Staley still playing at a high level. I don't think there was ever a doubt that they were going to give him this extension. It was just a matter of if he was going to play. And so it looks like he's going to be around for at least a couple more years. And I think that's a good sign for the date of the franchise no pun intended or the direction of the franchise because like you said in 2016 he told you i believe that he planned on retiring but held
1: out for one more year and he thought about it it
2: was on his mind thought about it right not planned to he thought about retiring and then uh things kind of turned around in 2017 and 2018 so i think if he thought that they weren't going the right direction i think he would hold out on signing a signing an extension or taking an extension until the off season. But I think it shows that he's confident in what what's going on in, in the locker room. And I think that, and, and on the field. And I think that's, I think that's important to have veterans like that stick around and show confidence. And it's also important from the front office to show loyalty and kind of faith to these, these veterans who have been around for so long. I think that speaks well on on the front office
1: yeah it's sort of a a tone setting decision right the 49ers under this regime want to reward players who buy into the program who fit the system who are good fits on and off the field all of that type of stuff and and you kind of see it reverberate elsewhere um i wasn't at the state of the franchise event there was there was a basketball game going on last thursday that i was at up in oakland but um you know reading the reports from from my fellow beat writers DeForest Buckner said you know he he wants to to be on that wall on that 10 year wall inside the 49ers facility they have they they sort of honor um all the players that have been with the team for a decade and DeForest Buckner wants to be one of those guys and obviously he doesn't have a long term contract and his status is is you know a little bit up in the air and i think what Buckner's camp understands and and we talked about this too leading up to the drafts and and you know we we talked about Quinn and Williams a lot um, but the idea that Buckner looks at Staley as sort of a role model in in the way that he handles his business and and Buckner said he wants to be with the team long term so i don't know if that's necessarily going to push a deal happening in the short term i think Buckner's still going to play out this season and then next offseason might be when when things heat up in terms of uh, contract negotiations with him. And, and Buckner and his camp have, have a very full understanding that the longer he waits to sign that second deal, the more money he could make over the long haul. Um, the 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 one issue you have there is that do, do you get hurt and then cost yourself on that second contract, right? In the meantime, right. and, and Buckner has been you know, arguably the 49ers most durable player and, and he's always among the league leaders and snaps played. So that hasn't been an issue for him. So the, by Buckner deciding to wait another year um, before signing a long-term deal signals that he's confident he's going to have a good season, obviously. And if he, if he puts together consecutive, you know, double digit sack seasons and, and maybe goes to a pro bowl or gets an all pro nod, his first one uh, in 2019, then he could ask for even more money. Um, ahead of his fifth-year contract year. And and the reason why I bring up Buckner, too, is because there was some news coming down uh, Monday about Yannick Ngakwe, the pass rusher for for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who was in the same draft as Buckner. And the reason why I bring up Ngakwe is because he's holding out from Jacksonville's mandatory minicamp because he wants a new contract. He's entering the last year of his deal. Buckner is also entering the last year of his deal Technically, but because he was a first-round pick, uh, he has a fifth-year option attached to his, which the 49ers obviously have already picked up. Um, but the fact that Buckner is with the team, not holding out in the same way Ngakwe is, indicates that Buckner has a, a good relationship with the organization. Obviously, um, that you know he's not upset with the way things are being handled. He's really committed to helping the team win in 2019, and and I think that's important to note because. Um, and look, I'll I will never I will never knock a player for trying to maximize their earning power and, and financial security because we right. know millions of dollars can be zapped away from you in an instant. And we talked a lot about Navarro Bowman last week because he retired. If Bowman had stayed healthy, he might be looking at a few more seasons and you know something like 20, 30, 40 million dollars yep. that he could have made throughout his career. So anyway. Um, Buckner being with the 49ers and he's expected to be at minicamp is important given the fact that he doesn't have his contract and and I think like Joe Staley that's sort of a tone setting thing with the 49ers and and I, I think from our end that that's all that's something that you have to look at positively
2: I think so too and just to the Buckner point like you said he's gonna have he had 12 sacks last year almost operating by himself I think he's looking at this as, two new defensive ends that should take some of the pressure off him in the middle. Even if his sack numbers aren't as high as they were, I think he'll be even more effective this year. And then you have to imagine he's got his eye on Aaron Donald or Khalil Max contract as kind of a benchmark. And with one year of big productivity, I think it's harder to leverage that. Whereas if he comes out and has another double digit sack season, I don't think the 49ers will hesitate to throw that kind of money at him.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it I think if Buckner were to sign this offseason, he would get something like, what, 16 to 18 million a year. And if he waited till next offseason, that's like 18 to 20. And if he waited till next offseason after, you know, becoming a first team all pro and maybe establishing himself along with Aaron Donald as one of the two or three best defensive tackles in football, then you're talking about 20 plus million a year. And the 49ers have uh, I think between 35 and 40 million in cap space heading into next season before next year's cap numbers announced, which is going to be um, obviously, I don't know, expected to be in the range of 10 million dollars more than this year. So right. you as as time goes on and as the cap keeps growing, these guys are going to get more and more money. So um, speaking of minicamp. Uh, contract issues. Robbie Gold's not going to be there. Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that on Monday. I think we've all known this dating back to, I guess, the Combine when Robbie Gold first indicated that, uh, was it the Combine? I forget exactly when. The Niners gave Gold a franchise tag, and his camp since spoke with ESPN at some point, indicating that they wanted to trade and that they weren't going to report. Uh, at all during the offseason program or even trading camp. And if Gold uh, doesn't get his trade request complied with, which the 49ers have said they're not trading him, then um, he might, it's like 50 50 that he shows up for week one. Uh, and I don't know if that means he'll join the team in Tampa that weekend of September 8th or if he'll come back for the week of practice beforehand and then travel with the team in Tampa. We don't really know. But it is notable that Schefter reported that Gold's not going to be there, uh, which we've all long known. But uh, it indicates that Gold hasn't changed his mind. He's still working out in, Ch- in Chicago where his family is, and, and I think it's it's been made clear that he wants to play closer to, to his family and he could be around his kids as they grow up, etc. So Gold's not going to be there. Uh, we don't know how much of an impact that's really going to have on the 49ers' season next year. Um, we talked to, to uh, the Niners special teams coach coach Hightower last week. And he talked a lot about the chemistry that you need to have with your holder. And obviously the 49ers have a new holder in in their rookie punter, Mitch Wyschnowski, their fourth round draft pick. Um, So we'll, we'll have to see this isn't necessarily a new development, but it is notable because if the 49ers are going to, are going to win a bunch of games in 2019, they're going to need Robbie gold to be good. And if gold isn't good, then we're going to look back to his off season absence and, and maybe ask some questions. Sure. Strong take, thanks. <laughs> um, so let's preview minicamp. Some of the questions we have, uh, I guess, some parameters first. These are not padded practices. Uh, these guys are still going to be in shells. They will. There will be some eleven-on-eleven 11 stuff. There has been uh, throughout the month of May. Now we're in June. Um, who's healthy is really the biggest question that we have, right? The that, biggest. That's that's been the theme of the off-season program and, and, you know, Jimmy Bosa, uh, sorry, Jimmy Bosa. Wow. Jimmy Bosa. Nick Bosa, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jalen Hurd, uh, Jason Verrett, Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, Jarek McKinnon. um, The list kind of goes on and on in terms of 49ers playing with injuries, but they're dealing with injuries at this point. I, I I do want to make a point. um, And I, I think I've said this on the pod recently, but, a lot of people see, oh, this guy isn't practicing and and that's a red flag and that's bad news and and things like that. And and I think more broadly, the new training staff, Ben Peterson, the new head of player health and performance, uh, was formerly the the head of sports science with the Philadelphia Flyers. So I think the 49ers are, are Going to be very progressive in terms of the way they handle their injured players. And, and what I mean by that is I, I think you could look towards the NBA as sort of a template, right? We're, we're in the NBA finals. Kawhi Leonard missed 22 games during the regular season. And now he's playing really well in the NBA finals. Uh, I bring that up because I think the 49ers could probably force some of these injured guys to play. I mean, I think Debo Samuel who missed a open practice to reporters last week was dealing with something minor. I think if it were the regular season, he probably would have been pushed to practice. Uh, same with maybe Jalen Hurd. Same with the running backs. I know Raheem Mostert has taken to, to social media to say he's fine, even though he's being held out of practice. Jarek McKinnon uh, has a partially torn pec, but he's, he's, been doing fine. He's been uh, doing. He's been running on air, working when uh, the offense goes goes on air against nobody. When they're just sort of running plays and diagramming different things, um, and he's been doing individual drills. So this is another way of saying that, and and we don't get to talk to the Niners medical staff, but it's another way of saying that I think they're just taking a long term approach to this and viewing the player's health as more important as these practice reps, which is debatable. NFL guys will always tell you practice reps are are super important, but I think what what the 49ers are are the the stance that they're taking is that we've been super injured the last couple of years. We're going to focus more on on getting them healthy this offseason by holding them out of practices so they can be healthy when it matters during the regular season. And yeah, they're missing these padless practice reps, but ultimately I don't think anybody's going to remember who participated in in mandatory OTAs in June if the Niners are in the postseason because uh, in part because they have really good health throughout the season. So um, well, that's that's one thing I'll say. And and again, we don't know exactly where all these guys are at. We have an idea, but the majority of them are going to be back in time for the start of training camp, and that's really all that matters.
2: Right. And I think the more the more, the more important thing or the most important thing is health. That's something they emphasized. They being John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan emphasized at the end of last year. It's something that they're clearly emphasizing this year in, in OTAs and into the mandatory mini camp. And I know that those practice reps are valuable and that may be true in training camp and, and in the season and stuff, but, Kind of like you just said, nobody's going to go, man, Nick Bosa would have had a way better rookie year if he had taken mini camp snaps. I I just, I I don't think that that's the case or or it will be the case. And I think the Niners know that. And you know what they say? The best ability is availability. And so they'd rather have all their guys healthy for training camp. And I I think that's probably the smart way to do it.
1: Let me write that down. Hold on. Yeah,
2: best ability. Best ability available. Okay.
1: Is available. Yeah, write that down. Quote me. Thanks. I'm gonna underline it twice.
2: <laughs> Please do.
1: All right. Thanks. Um, yeah, totally agree. And and I think just seeing Nick Bosa last week that you know he's not he's not walking with any sort of limp. He looks fine. Um, they said it was a mild hamstring strain. I, I think they're just being ultra cautious because they know how important he's going to be to the defense. They know that he missed all of last season, obviously, and they're just not going to rush him back. And they're not going to rush anybody back. Um, And that's not to say that this injury stuff isn't concerning. Obviously, you would rather have these guys out there and and healthy and spry and all that. But I think being overly concerned is is caring too much about the offseason program. Um, And really, the most important stuff is probably happening in the meeting rooms, in terms of, you know, learning the playbooks, learning the responsibilities, understanding all of that stuff. And then in practice, you know, you're not going to get all the physical reps from a technique standpoint, but you're still going to get the mental reps, and all those guys are doing that. So
2: right.
1: um, I guess that's that's the theme uh, when it comes to injuries, and, and we'll see. There, I, I would assume there are going to be some guys who were held out these last couple of weeks who are going to be out there. This is an important, an important couple of days because, like I said, they're going to have about six weeks off before the start of training camp. So Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch want to end the offseason program uh, on a high note. Presumably, which which could mean you know trying to get a little bit more out of guys than previously without risking them to further injury.
2: Yeah, and that that I think is probably the the best way to go about it, especially with how the last few years have gone.
1: Hey, how have your uh, your Harry's razors been? Uh,
2: it was good. I, I got my first shave with it the other night uh, on on the head shave. There's a couple things that I would do differently because it is a different type of razor than I was using, but I love how close the shave is. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's a user error. That's obviously not a Harry's thing. No, Uh, it
2: was definitely, definitely on me.
1: You knew Blue Wire is teeing up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are are shaving comfortably, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend it.
1: Good. Yeah, me too. Our listeners should go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's, as Kyle and I can attest. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million people who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3.
2: I think I'm obligated to say that they don't recommend shaving your head with Harry's razors. Um, I did it and it worked.
1: The more you can do. Versatility, right?
2: Exactly. Hey, Kyle. Your best utility is versatility.
1: Okay, writing that down too. Um, also, when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. I'm sure Harry's knows oh exactly God. what this is like. Yeah. Uh, that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Candlestick Chronicles listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code blue. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. This is Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers, and you're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles. Okay, so what other questions, Kyle, do you have heading into minicamp? One of the questions
2: that I'm super interested in going into into minicamp, and I know nothing will be solved, but I want to know what the secondary looks like. And that's something we focused a little bit on in OTAs, but now going into minicamp, Jimmy Ward's going to be out. Is Tavarius Moore still at safety? And who's getting the starting reps between you know Colbert Tart, Marcel Harris, Richard Sherman, uh, Akella Witherspoon? I, I'm really interested to see kind of what what the starters look like.
1: Yeah, so with these last couple weeks since Jimmy Ward got hurt, it's been Adrian Colbert at free safety, Jukowski Tart at strong safety, uh, Akella Witherspoon at corner and uh, at right corner and. Richard Sherman at left corner, his customary spot. The second team uh, has been Anton Exum Jr. at free safety, Marcel Harris at strong safety, Greg Maben, and Dante Johnson at cornerback. And then Tarvarius Moore has been a third-team safety, working with a bunch of um, undrafted practice squad guys. And, and uh, one notable thing, we haven't seen Tim Harris' six-round pick practice yet. Um, and we're, it's unclear what the injury is with him at this point, but we're going to talk to Kyle Shanahan Shanahan tomorrow, and and we should get a little bit more clarity. But yeah, I, I think if the season were to start today and, you know, we don't know what Jimmy Ward's health is going to be. The 49ers said that they expect his broken collarbone to heal in time, uh, at some point in August. And, and they're going to be cautious with that obviously too, because they view Ward as an incredibly important player to them. Um, And they're not going to risk him re-injuring it early in August or early in training camp if they think he's their best safety, which I think they do. I think they think he's their best free safety at the moment, um, which is why he worked with the starters throughout the spring before getting hurt. But one thing we've seen, and and I know we touched on it last week, but I think it's worth bringing up again, is that the secondary is going to look a little bit different just in terms of disguises and formations and alignments and, and things like that. And so what you're going to see a lot more, you know, maybe Adrian Colbert playing in the box and, and Tart playing free safety, and then varying their levels a little bit. Whereas, you know, the, the previous iterations of this defense, the last two years, it was very clearly delineated who was free safety and who was strong safety. So they're going to be a little bit more interchangeable. Um, and, and we talked about it too. Adrian Colbert gained a little bit of weight. So, uh, I think he's closer to 210 now, and he was, you know, 200 pounds when, when he was first playing free safety. Uh, so, yeah, that will be interesting. And, and again, it's it's really hard to, to make judgments on how the secondary is playing during minicamp because they're not allowed to hit people. Obviously, there are no pads. We can see how they're doing in coverage. Um, but, again, we don't know exactly their responsibilities in terms of – I mean, you can tell when a guy gets beaten. Right. But – uh, you know, in terms of help and things like that without knowing the exact calls and being on the sideline and not really having access to a bunch of different camera angles in the moment. It is a little bit tough to, to see exactly who's playing really well and who isn't. Um, but you can see, you know, guys break up passes. If, if it's very clearly man coverage and, and coverage is tight and incompletions happen, then then that much is, is pretty obvious from the sideline. But um, I wouldn't expect any concrete answers in terms of you know, how the secondary is playing and also in 11 on 11 drills, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be participating. So they're going to be going against CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later, but um, it's not going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. So also we don't know if, if, you know, the barometer is going to be at, (laughs) at regular season levels. Right. So
2: I think, I think the thing that most interests me in the secondary is where is Tavares more playing? And right. if he is playing safety, is he running with the second team? Is he getting any starting reps? That's where I am I think I'm most interested.
1: All of his run that we've seen has been with a third team. Okay. So it, it seems like his move to safety is tied directly with Jimmy Ward uh, being out. So I okay. I, I think... You know, we'll have to see. I mean, maybe maybe Moore plays so well at free safety that they stick him there in a similar way to to how they handled Colbert in twenty seventeen, because he was initially drafted to play cornerback, um, and right. then they ended up moving him to safety because of injuries to other guys. So yeah, there's a chance that Moore ends up sticking at safety throughout. But like you said, until he starts getting reps with the second team or even the starters, I don't know that that we should consider the move to safety permanent. Um, until we see him playing there when Jimmy Ward is healthy, uh, and and I think right. for now I would expect all of that to 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 stay the same. I mean, maybe it changes, but um, yeah, Moore is a very intriguing, intriguing player this off season, particularly because we came into it thinking he would compete to start, and now it's pretty clear that that Witherspoon is outplaying him, or at least outplayed him to the point. Uh, throughout the offseason program that the team was okay with moving more to, to free safety rather than give him the the valuable reps that he, he would need at cornerback if he was going to compete for that starting job. Right. Uh, so that's that on the secondary. How about the, the – really the – might be one of the most important storylines of the off that doesn't directly impact the fall if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy as a backup quarterback battle. Um, maybe we'll have a little bit better idea of how Nick Mullins and and CJ Bethard are faring in, in terms of, you know, who's, who's going to back up Garoppolo. I think a lot of people would look at the way Mullins played last year, rightfully so, and say he's earned the number two job, but Kyle Shanahan has maintained that it's an even competition between those guys. He puts them on an equal playing field and they've basically split the first team reps during 11 on 11 drills right down the middle. And one day it's been, it's been Mullins getting those first reps and then Bethard getting the, the reps in the second half of practice. And then the next day it, or the next open session to reporters, I should say, it's flipped. It'll be Bethard and it'll be Mullins. And I will say, and I haven't been charting throw for throw, but I I think Bethard has looked a lot better than Mullins. And I know some people mm-hmm. would be surprised by that. Um, but... I mean, he, he, he's just simply been better and maybe it's, it's, it's a small sample size because, you know, I think these guys get something like 10 or 12 first team reps in 11 on 11 drills. And we haven't seen every practice we've seen just one a week. So I think we've seen three while really there have been nine practices. So we don't get to, we don't get to see the tape, obviously we don't get to watch every practice, but in the sample that has been open to reporters, I feel pretty comfortable saying that, that. CJ Beathard has been better than Nick Mullins and that's not to say that that's going to last or that means that Beathard will be better in games I just think throughout the spring Beathard has been a little bit better and you see you know the arm strength the accuracy um, just the, the physical talent that made Beathard a draft pick a third round draft pick as opposed to Mullins who was undrafted I, I think it's clear that there's a talent gap between them and that's not to say again that that Mullins can't outplay Bethard later and maybe be, be better when uh, be better on Sundays if, if you know he's in the game again like he was last year. but for right now I, would, I feel comfortable saying that Bethard has been better throughout the spring.
2: Yeah, and I think too, there's a reason Bethard won the backup job last year and Nick Mullins was on the practice squad until injuries forced him to be brought up to the active roster. I think Bethard is clearly a more talented quarterback and I think you can even see that a little bit watching them but Mullins just performed better in his in his action in the starting lineup.
1: Yeah, the numbers were better. It was a different point in the season. I think, um, you know, the later you get in the year when uh, you're sort of out of contention, the stakes of the, each game, they, they lower a little bit. Um, right. And, and I think you could say the same thing about 2017 when Garoppolo came in. I don't think, you know, I know the Titans and Jaguars were playing for playoff positioning and things like that, but... I don't think they were playing with the same intensity as they did a few weeks later when they went to the playoffs. The the Jaguars, as impressive as that game was for Garoppolo against the Jaguars, they essentially clinched their division in the first quarter of that game. Right. And I would be shocked if that team went into the locker room and didn't see the score of the Titans-Rams game and, and think, we're coasting. Okay, we, we got to go balls to the wall in the second half because the division's still on the line. No, they clinched it. So – what really happened in the second half of that game ultimately didn't matter for Jacksonville. And that stuff matters when you're playing an opponent. They just they simply don't have the same edge. Um, so that's that kind of stuff happens late in the season, which is why I don't put a million percent of, of stock or opinion into what Mullins did at the end of the year. I think it was impressive nonetheless, given given where he came from. But I also and I, I know I've said this before, but I think if C.J. Beathard was healthy, he also would have torched the Raiders in that Thursday night game. I right. just think that's the Raiders were were at a point where they were just playing horrendously. Um, and it didn't really matter who was at quarterback. Mullins just happened to benefit from it.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's right. And I'm not sure how much stock the twenty eighteen season will will have in Shanahan's decision. Like if Bethard just blows Mullins out of the water in camp and through the offseason program. And they go win the starting job. If that wasn't going to be the case, then I think they would insert Mullins as the number two guy just based on their performance last year.
1: Yeah, and, and how this plays out ultimately could define how the 49ers handle some key decisions regarding the 53-man roster. If, if they sure. decide to keep both, uh, which Kyle Shanahan hasn't done, he's only had two quarterbacks on the active 53 the last two years. Um, Mullins only got activated once, once Garoppolo went on injured reserve last year. Uh, you know, are, does that mean they're not going to keep four halfbacks? They only end up keeping three. Does it mean they have to get rid of one of their linebackers or pass rushers? Or uh, do they only have two tight ends and then have Jalen Hurd sort of as their third tight end, given that they, they're they counting on him to be a super versatile player this year? Um, do they only keep five receivers instead of six? Uh, you know, do they keep eight offensive linemen instead of nine or, you know, something like that? These are when you're making a roster, every single spot matters. And so keeping three quarterbacks as opposed to two is a really important decision. And also if you only keep two, are you trading the third guy and are you going to get anything of value to that for that third guy? Um, so the backup quarterback question and, and battle throughout this off season is going to be really interesting. And I think it's kind of coming to a head at least, you know, this is, this, this is the last part of the off season program so we'll really get to see who's been, um, who has the best grasp of the offense, who's playing the best, and and maybe that colors sort of Kyle Shanahan's opinion going into training camp, and and maybe one of these guys can can separate themselves from the other, and, and that sort of becomes a thing that that matters when training camp starts at the end of July. Yep. Uh, the receiver roster battle. Also extremely interesting, um, Debo Samuel, the second-round draft pick, didn't participate in the practice I was open to reporters last week. Uh, it was explained as a minor tweak. Uh, and where that tweak happened has not been specified, but he looked fine. Um, Jalen Hurd, third-round pick, hasn't practiced since really rookie minicamp, I don't think. Um, and the 49ers say it's a it's a knee injury that, that they're being cautious with uh, the same injury that prevented him from from participating in the senior bowl and sort of leading up to the pre-draft process. So we'll see if those guys get back on the field. I would imagine Samuel would if it was as minor as as the injury was described to me. I, I think that would make some sense. I, I I also think Samuel um as good as as he's looked in practice, I think he could afford to drop some weight. And um sure. And I think his conditioning is is something the 49ers are keeping a close eye on and obviously, if you're out of shape, maybe you're more susceptible to some tweaks here and there. Right. So we'll have to see about that. But overall, I mean, you know, we're going to look at who's starting, who's working with the ones, who's working with the twos. How's, um, you know, how's Dante Pettis looking? Is he playing mostly X or is he working at Z2? Is Marquise Goodwin looking as good as he has the last two offseason programs? It's been sort of a, at least in, in the sessions open to us, Goodwin hasn't been the sort of game-changing player that we've seen on the practice field throughout the last two springs. Um, Not that 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 necessarily matters because Goodwin was really good last offseason and then, you know, obviously struggled with health and different things throughout 2018. But, um, yeah, the receiver battle is really interesting and the composition of the group is really interesting. So um, that's another another thing to watch this week.
2: I'm really eager to see Jalen Hurd in practice and see where they have him.
1: Yeah, I talked to Katie Sowers last week, the assistant receivers coach, and and Hurd has really sort of latched on to her um, as someone to to get him ready and, and familiarize himself with the system. And, and she said, like, he's going to be wearing a bunch of different hats. His role is going to be different from a lot of the team's receivers and and probably a lot different from the team's skill players. Right. And so I'm very curious to see exactly how he's used, like you said, exactly how well he's picking up those assignments and whether or not they're overloading him with information and responsibilities, um, because that can happen. And and we've talked about it at length. Like George Kittle said, it is rookie year. Dante Pettis said it recently. Um, the first year in this offense can be really tough. And I would imagine it would, it would be even tougher when you have to learn multiple spots. So if Hurd is, is playing in the slot and outside and H back and running back, um, I think that would be really tough for him, but if, he's, if, if they just bring him in and work him in slowly, you know, at the slot or outside and just have him learn those positions before implementing him elsewhere, you know, that'll be notable. If he's really being used all over the place, that'll be notable, obviously. I mean, Hurd is, just given the the team's needs on the defensive end, um, you know, in the secondary, at safety, at cornerback, etc., the fact that they went with Hurd thinking that he's gonna be such a unique weapon to them, someone who could play running back, play receiver, essentially play any of the skill positions, be 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 a threat at all five eligible receiver spots. Um, that's notable. And if he turns out to be good, then Kyle Shanahan is gonna look like a genius. If he doesn't turn out to be good, then we're all and the defense struggles, then we're all gonna say, wow, that was a huge misstep in taking Jalen Hurd rather than you know, using a really valuable pick on a potential starter for, for the secondary or or somewhere else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm going to keep track of that all year and I think everybody will, but that's something I'll keep track of. Just what you mentioned right at the end there was how do these 49ers receivers fare and what does that group of defensive backs between rounds two and four look like? I think that's going to be something that that really might define success for the Niners this season if they don't end up making the playoff.
1: All right. All right, so next, uh, how is Nick Bosa doing? Um, I'm not expecting him to practice. I think the time frame from his injury indicated that he could have been back in time this week. Excuse me, given the, the fact that it was a, a minor hamstring tweak. Um, but – like I said, the 49ers are going to be cautious. There's no point in really risking him. They want him to be healthy and, and available for the start of training camp. So I'm not expecting much from him. But we'll get a little bit more clarity on his status when we talk to Kyle Shanahan tomorrow. Like I said, he's he looks fine. He's not uh, he's not walking around with any limp. He's he's active with his position group, watching very intently. Uh, he's he's going to be a really important player for them. So uh, so we'll see if there if there's any notable change in his status this week. I'm guessing not. Uh, one, one other note I guess in closing here, I thought D Ford and DeForest Buckner both looked really good in practice last week in the session that was open to us and um, those two guys building chemistry and and being effective together uh, you know whether it's running pass rushing stunts or two-man games or how however you want to classify it, those two guys are going to be awfully important and I think they're going to line up on the same side of the formation a lot. I think you're going to see Nick Bosa line up against right tackles more often than left tackles, and I think Buckner being the three technique lining up against the left guard, uh, the outside shoulder of the left guard, and then you have Ford line up wide of the of the left tackle. Those two guys are are going to make a lot of hay working together, um, and and I thought they did some interesting things last week, and they pressured they pressured the quarterback a lot. Um, and you know, that being said, they're going against Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard and, and Sean Coleman and Justin school, not Joe Staley. Joe Staley has not been participating in 11 on 11 drills because there's really no point. Joe Staley knows what he's doing and he's a veteran and there's no point in, in risking injury for him because he's Joe Staley, he's going to be fine. Um, so with that caveat aside, I, I do think D Ford and, and, DeForest Buckner played really well in, in camp last week, and I'm curious to see how that sort of relationship, both um, you know them off the field and on the field, how that translates to the success of the pass rush. Yep. And all we got—that's all I got. Forty-one minutes. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up?
2: I don't think so. I, I okay. feel like I feel like with OTAs, it's such a It's such a, I don't want to say letdown, but like we kept mentioning, there's so much that can happen throughout training camp that it's really hard to gauge anything during OTAs. So I think for the Niners, it's got to be just about staying healthy. Like as long as they get through these couple of practices without anything bad happening, I think it's a win.
1: Uh, On like level of importance. So I guess this is an interesting point I, I should make. On level of importance, when it comes to leading up to the regular season, I put the first two weeks of training camp practices as like a 10. On a scale of one to 10, those first two weeks of practices are mostly padded. Um, I think those are incredibly important and ultimately shape how the team views its roster. I would put preseason games at about a six because ultimately you're trying to keep your main guys healthy. Um, you're trying to see you know, who wins roster battles sort of on the margins. There generally, very few position battles or, or battles for starting jobs are defined by preseason performances. More, more often, those are defined by those first two weeks of training camp practices and other practices. Um, the, the preseason games are mostly about just trying to avoid injury and, and um, you know, maybe getting guys' feet wet in terms of like the, the actual game procedure if that makes any sense like you know being out on the field and warming up in time and just getting used to that that whole dynamic and then so if if training if those first two weeks of camp are a 10 and then preseason games are a six i would put mandatory mini camp at like a four and then everything else leading up to that kind of like a two and a three so like we're in that range where this stuff is is kind of important but it doesn't really matter but it's also i mean we're talking about it because it's the only thing we have to talk about at this point
2: (laughs) I I mean, it, and and it does matter in the sense that if Tavarius Moore is running with the starting unit at safety for the entire OTA or the entire mini camp, like that's notable. Sure, absolutely. But and stuff like not, that can't But if happen. he's but if he's not or if if somebody's not in the starting unit in mini camp, that doesn't mean they can't win a starting job in training camp.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um okay, so before we get out of here, Uh, People are probably going to listen to this after Game 5 of the NBA Finals tonight. Why don't we make some predictions so we can sound like geniuses or morons uh, before we go. So I'm going to say the Warriors win Game 5 and Kevin Durant's comeback. And the entire Twitter universe is going to be in a complete tizzy because (laughs) the idea of the Warriors coming back from a 3-1 deficit is actually going to be out there.
2: I think the Warriors lose by a substantial amount. I don't think Kevin Durant is going to be very effective if at all effective it'll certainly be better than than having some of their their bench guys running around out there but I bet he plays like 20 minutes and is is just not the Kevin Durant that they need to beat the Raptors and I think the Raps win their first NBA title
1: okay well you have our predictions I say Warriors win Kyle says the dynasty's over the good thing is is none of this will be used against us at a later time um, oh, so for sure, that's no.
2: Fun. We're throwing this into the ether with the full expectation there will be no consequences.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Um, I checked the ratings and reviews on iTunes last week. I tweeted it out. That was uh, sick, dude. Uh, all of our ratings like tripled up from the previous time I checked it. I think it was like three or four weeks before that. Uh, so we've gotten a ton of really good feedback, and I really appreciate everybody listening and taking time to, to give us those five stars and, and write a review right? Reviews. Last time I checked, we, we were at a five-star rating. So that's huge. Um, keep that coming. Really appreciate the feedback and, and our listeners are a huge part of, of you know, why we do this. And, and so, uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys and, uh, and thank you very much. So we will talk to you guys later this week and we will wrap up mini camp and everything we saw from the practice field. So we'll talk to you guys then.